0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 11 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Courtney Sabo. Courtney is a designer at Happy Cog, arriving there via Drexel University's co-op program. Courtney graduated this summer from Drexel's Westfall College of Media Arts and Design with a Bachelor's of Science in Graphic Design. Courtney's work has won several awards, including a Hermes Platinum Award, American Packaging Design Award, and an International Creativity Award. She has also been featured in Graphic Design USA, The Die Line, and in Graphic Design School by Wiley Press. Courtney was a 2015 Net Awards Emergent Talent nominee. Courtney's earliest memories from childhood involve drawing letter forms and organizing everything she found or made. Now as a designer, she loves crafting beautiful typography and aims to make people's lives easier and more enjoyable through intelligent and timeless design. When she's not at work, Courtney enjoys playing squash, uh, researching Drexel's Polish poster collection, running along the Schuylkill River, and experimenting in the kitchen, especially with desserts. Welcome, Courtney.
1: Hi, Gary.
0: Hello. All right, so Courtney, I'm excited to have you on as a guest today. Um, If I was treating interactive design education the same as I would any other design project, I'd be doing some serious research on the end user. And so basically in this scenario, my, my graduates. So I really think you'll be able to provide a different perspective from senior level designers or principals at digital agencies and offer new insights because you have recently graduated from school, but you also have the experience under your belt to kind of judge, you know, what worked and what didn't. So before we get into specific questions about the transition from design school to working professional, can you uh, please elaborate on Drexel University's co-op program? From what I can tell, this is a very unique program. It's not a, a, a traditional um internship
1: sure sure so it's a it's a six month full-time internship um basically to put in uh, more recognizable terms uh you can use drexel's system through it they've uh, really partnered with a lot of companies throughout philadelphia the states um and, and some international as well uh, their end goal is really to get you real-world experience. Um, so if you're making coffee runs, like, that has to be reported. So so you're really working um, in the major that you think you'll, you'll end up your career in. Uh, so basically, when you sign up for Drexel, you have an option to do one co-op, so one six-month internship over the course of four years, um, or you can do three of them in five years.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's not like normal internships. You just it's the students kind of find them themselves and then they just get credit for class for it, but it's not really like ingrained.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. We also do get class for it, but I think it's definitely more valuable um, than just a summer internship. So we go to school year round to support the time that we spend on co-op. And just those three extra extra months really make such a difference in, in what you can get out of that time spent at a company.
0: Oh, that's yeah. like I said, that's, that's really interesting. Um, So the first thing that I, well, so kind of a a question backing up from that. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing I wanted to address was a quote um, from an article that you kind of co-authored or you authored and you interview people was from pixels to inches and back again. It's on the Happy Cog website. Um, You wrote that I admit at first I really struggled to design for the web. Can you describe that struggle in, in more detail?
1: Sure. Um, so basically, before my co-op, before coming to Happy Cog, I didn't really know anything about designing for the web. At school, we had um, just some really basic classes in in web design, is what they called it. But it was just learning HTML, CSS, and some JavaScript. But uh, we really weren't focusing on any UX uh, or UI. So. I think just in that, um, coming here and just seeing this much longer process was, was really overwhelming.
0: All right. So then let me ask you this, cause this is something I personally struggle with as an educator is a lot of, okay. If I have one three credit class to, to teach everything, which is just not possible, <laughs> I, I then have to make this, you know, I have to kind of like Figure out what's the best thing to do in that, in those three credits. And I always lean towards teaching the HTML and CSS because, from my pers- from my, from my own thoughts in my head, with no real, you know, research to back that up, it just seems like if you know a little bit of HTML and CSS, you're at least exposed to the larger world. But do you think, from now your experience, would it would you have been better served by just having some that those three credits being focused on user experience, UX, UI, and not really on the HTML and CSS?
1: Uh, no, I, I really do think learning the code is uh, an, an integral part of learning web design. and I do think that you should learn that uh, more towards the beginning of that. I think schools in general could do a better job um, of sort of implementing web design in, in all of their classes. So when you're starting to learn about typography, so... We designed uh, a publication, but at the same time we could have designed a page for a website um, or just a content heavy website, so really the, the hierarchy works the same. It's just a matter of, of pulling in web design into other classes as well.
0: And, and that would have been a so what was the biggest single shock that you got from your first experience in you know working at Happy Cog, you know it being different from your training at school
1: um i'm not really sure could you elaborate more
0: um so when you walked uh, when you went to school i mean when you walked into happy cog i mean you you i would i would assume that anybody because i can't because i i actually just took i worked in the industry before i actually went to school Mm -hmm. um so i would just assume though like walking in you'd be like super excited and super confident like i know i've got good skills you know, I, I, I've I got this. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're like, whoa, what? I, I just can't believe how different this was than what I was expecting when I walked in. I mean, is there like one thing that just like stands out that was kind of like a shock to you?
1: Um, I'm not really sure that there is one specific thing. But I okay. think just in general, the, the, the complexity of everything um, and really linking pages together and and where surfacing content at, at one page might be more beneficial than another page. Um, so maybe more on, on the content side or information architecture side. I think that was something I had never really thought about before in school. Um, definitely in school, we're focusing more on visual design. So everything else about web design um, was then like thrown at me. I was like, "Well, oh, I'm not really sure I have any idea what I'm doing.
0: Would, um, okay, so would the, with, that in mind the content and the information architecture was kind of, I could see like that being totally, um, foreign, but I'm wondering how wouldn't publication design, like wouldn't designing a book kind of be a parallel to that experience a little bit or why was, why wouldn't that be?
1: So I would say, yeah, definitely. But I think in school, um, we're, we're, we have to find our own content so you can find as much or as little as you really want. Um, so then coming here and having these really set requirements of what needs to be uh, on these pages or just on the site in general uh, and trying to tie that all in was was more difficult.
0: Oh, OK, um, I think that's yeah, I think that's something that varies from teacher to teacher, because usually I, I. Some people, some some educators give the content and then make you design around it others or like more free form you find and you develop the content.
1: Sure. I had the same thing too. Some of my professors um, gave like a set character limit or set word limit and some, some didn't. So it was just really how much you wanted to put into it.
0: Okay. Um, So another thing that, you know, just from our initial emails, when we were scheduling this talk, you wrote, I always think about how my work now could be introduced to my school curriculum and you also wrote in again that same article from pixels to inches and back again um, you drew some parallels between print and interactive design could you give some specifics about like what like what do you want to wish what do you want to be able to sprinkle back into your education
1: uh, so like I said before I think just introducing the web at an earlier stage I think by the time we got to it which was uh, maybe junior junior and senior year in college that we already had such a strong uh, foothold in the print side of things, to be thrown web was, was actually really scary, because you're like, oh, I have, to, I have to learn code. It's like learning a new Adobe program almost. It's just like you're, it's totally foreign to you. Um, so I think if, it, if we could have learned a little bit earlier on, it definitely would have helped. Um, I think... It plays well, like like I said, with with typography and hierarchy and layout and grids. It all plays together. It's all just design. Um, it's just a matter of the medium.
0: See, that's that's really interesting because I um, I noticed that's that's you're right. There, so there's that fear factor that comes into web design, and when you so that makes sense. So then when you if you just kind of like offload the web design till like the junior or senior year um, it's kind of already too late okay. to like get over that fear and then you know learn to to jump into or you know like this like then like go on that like self-discovery phase because it's it's kind of too late. you've already gone down a, a certain path so that's really interesting that you would you'd like to see it injected earlier on
1: right and I, and I think too that early on in the education process in college anyway, um, you're introduced to a lot of things, and from those from those many things you find a passion. but if you're not being introduced into web design until you know later in the game, it's really hard to like get really focused and excited about it um just when you have all these other things behind you
0: You know this is um totally off topic, and I just this just popped into my head um. When, I mean, you can answer this from your perspective or maybe the perspective from some of your colleagues or perspective from your, you know, peers at school. When you went to school, did you specifically go thinking you wanted to be a print designer? Uh, To be completely honest,
1: I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, Shortly before coming to college, I switched from being uh, a medical major, so a bio... A bio major um, into design. I just knew that I wanted to design something. I wasn't really sure what I had some some experience in magazine design, um, just whatever that may be in high school. But other than that, no, I wasn't really sure. but once I got into college, I was actually like, I would never want to design for the web. And even after my first web class, I was like, well, this just you know this just isn't for me. I just want to focus on brand identity. Uh, and nothing else. And then after coming to Happy Cog is is sort of when everything changed. All
0: right. So so the reason I asked that is because I'm just curious now, if that's even a five, 10 years ago, that was like, you know, that still was a choice that, um, that there was a choice that you could do one or the other, where now I don't think there's a choice anymore. I think it's, you are doing both. Um, And I'm just wondering if that, and now I'm just curious if that's what do students expect when they go into to to colleges when they say I want to be a designer? Do they what did what ex, what do they expect to be designing? I'm yeah,
1: I'm I'm not really sure. I know Drexel yeah. actually did used to have concentrations, so you could focus on web or, or interactive or whatever yeah. they called it, um, or advertising or maybe environmental. But I'm honestly not really sure what people are going for. Yeah,
0: that's something I'm going to have to do some research on. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, so all right so you um, well design educators aren't perfect you know we we try our best to give the students the most well-rounded education possible that covers as many scenarios as possible sometimes things just don't but sometimes things don't translate so from your experience are there some things from an educational standpoint you know specifically like you know that you learned in the classroom around print design that just don't translate to, to designing for the web for designing user, you know, for user experience design?
1: Um, Sure. I think I've definitely had a couple classes where maybe you're designing a movie poster, something that just doesn't really have a lot of content. So maybe it's more like editorial illustration, things like that. Um, I think they can definitely play a part into the web. But as a whole, I would say they probably didn't help me as much. But at the same time, I'd also say that that any experience in in education yeah. at school was beneficial by far like I learned something from it so
0: Yeah and no and we um we got to give props to Drexel cuz you're you're working at Happy Cog so your talent and their guidance obviously <laughs> Right right did what it was supposed to do Yeah um so but no I I think that what I'm really interested in is what you just said about so I'm going to scrap the, I mean, you said the poster, but but you said lack of content. And I never actually thought about that before is that there. Well, yeah, we, I always think about it. There's tons of content on the web, of course. But when you're designing an illustration, when you're creating a mark, when you're creating a poster, when you're creating a postage stamp, there's not a lot of content. So that so you're not learning to, to design with a lot of content in those print contexts, where maybe designing in a book, maybe designing, you know, um, like an infographic that has a ton of content was is more translatable.
1: Sure, and I think it just presents a bigger challenge too. It's just trying to fit more things in the best possible place in that layout.
0: Okay, so that that makes sense. Um, so. Are there mock up or prototyping processes that you did in, or, or tools that you wish you had learned and then been exposed to in school? Because I, I think the process that you work in now at Happy Cog is probably different than you did when you're working in the classroom.
1: Sure. Um, in terms of mock up and prototyping tools, I would say they probably didn't really matter in college. Um, the technology side of it, it's, it's, pretty easy to learn. We're all quick learners with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in terms of what benefited would benefit me more, uh, looking back is that had I just had more interactive experience, I think that that would have been way more helpful, um, with the design skills on that side than knowing, knowing a prototyping tool.
0: Can you explain that just a little more? Like, cause everybody has a different definition of what interactive is or interaction or or all these, but can you like, you know, what do you give me a specific like what do you mean by that
1: sure i would just say digital in general so like i would coming out of school um if i didn't have a co-op i would have no idea how to make a wireframe or, or what might go into that or the thinking behind it or what type of research you need to do um to know what content needs to go there
0: oh okay so having more experience like building those would have been helpful sure sure okay um you know and that's something that's again i think that's so I when I teach an HTML and CSS class, I have them draw wireframes, but I treat it very much like it's doing thumbnails for a logo. Right, right. And I don't think it's the same thing. I think it's a different thought process. Um so when you okay, so when you when you when you um are working for a client and you start doing your wireframing, do you already know the the content of the site? Or at least yeah, how much of the how much do you know about the content to inform those wireframes?
1: I mean, I would say off the bat, it, it just depends um, on a client-to-client basis. Yeah. But before wireframing, I think that's when you start understanding the content. So if they're keeping Let's say 80% of the content, but want to just restructure it. So you know that much. And then maybe you're adding to it. Maybe you're doing a little bit of copywriting to, to fill in places that you think um, need, need filling in. All
0: right. So, I mean, because, and again, I think that's the other thing. If when you're coming from a pure visual training, you're moving the, the boxes around on these wireframes. And if there's no content attached to it, it just becomes decoration, and it's really not a thoughtful process.
1: Exactly. Right? You, you can push boxes around as much as you want, but if the person who's using it can't find the, the little number or email address or whatever they're looking for on that page and in this specific area, then, then you've kind of failed.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Um, so where does html and css and front-end development fit in to somebody that i guess identifies as a visual designer how much of that do you need to know do you think
1: um i would say you should be able to build a basic um page out of html and css i think you just need to know what's what's possible for the most part. Of course you'll have developers there by your side telling you that, but <laughs> I think it's just something that you always need to be like mindful in the back of your head. Like, okay, I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. I remember in school in our, in our first web design classes, I think either the first one, first one or the second one, um, we got into this habit where we like wanted to absolute position everything because mm-hmm. we came from a print background and like wanted something in a very specific spot. And then going into web design and responsive web design specifically, like everything's shifting. So you kind of have to to play off and make sure that everything looks good um, at any size, too.
0: Yeah, and that's really, really tough to um, to 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 <laughs> to teach. And actually, I, I okay, I'll I'll ask you this to see how you work, what's your working process. So I was. I'm teaching my students how to use floats, use position absolute and all these different things to, you know, form the layout of the page, but I'm, and I'm also making it responsive and this idea that it's mobile first, but I always, I, okay. So the process is, um, when I show them how to make a layout, I start with the, desktop first i say this is how we like get the layout this is how we move things across the screen mm-hmm. and then we go back through the code and create media queries but then like remove like oh, say, if, say we have something set up as two columns or three columns we remove that and put that in the media query and then it, you know replace it with like with 100% so like the the non-media query code is mobile first. It's just this one standard column. Sure. And then the media queries then enhance it. Um, I do that because I, it's, it's kind of, I mean, when you're, okay, when you're doing a wireframe, do you start off with a single column mobile wireframe?
1: Uh, I think that definitely depends on the client um, okay. and what it's needed for. I think, uh, most things are going to work well on mobile because it's just a single column. Like, you don't really have that many yeah. options. Uh, I think desktop is really where, where things can definitely get tricky um, in terms of making it not look cluttered.
0: Okay. I think
1: mobile matters. Mobile first matters um, when you do have, like, maybe a lot of navigation or things like that that need to be in a small screen view. All
0: right, because that's what I've been struggling with is that, because you said, like, the, the complexity of arranging the things on the screen, I think they need to learn that because it's real easy to make it just fill the width of the screen. Exactly, exactly. And so, but it's, it's with the idea of mobile first, that should be done first, but then there's really, it's kind of hard to, I don't know, it's just something I, I sit there and I t- teach them like how to reverse engineer things. And I'm just wondering if that's just,
1: Right. I think that's the challenge of, like, websites because it's all modular based. And that's not how you think as a print designer because um, not everything is contained in something per se. You
0: know, that's – I'm glad you said that idea Um, because what can we do as an educator? Or or you – okay, you see it as modular. So – and I'm going to give you an example is I – my students, I said, okay, we've done these three demos in class. Now you have to go and you have to make your own outside of class, but you can use the what we've done in class. And I said, you can copy the code, you can, um, from these three, but they don't see it as a module. They don't see that like, oh, I can just copy this, the HTML from this section and the CSS that made this section and drop it into this one and build something new that just is, is totally foreign to them. And I have, I'm, I have no idea how to explain that. Like you can just pick and choose these pieces, parts. Is there a way that it made sense to, like, to you that that's what you could do or couldn't? Do? I
1: think, I don't think when I learned it specifically, I, I really have good advice for that, um, <laughs> But I think the one thing that I wish I would have done more during school was really looking at websites that exist already and Mm -hmm. just finding the patterns there and just pulling out like, okay, this is on this page, but it looks different on that page, even though it's the same content. Um, So things like that. So really just picking up and finding where things um, are repeated.
0: Yeah. You know, but I think that also, yes, no, and I, I, I agree with that 100%. But I'm also one thing i'm concerned about and and i think this is where it comes from is is design education is everything on the web and this is a generalization kind of looks the same Mm -hmm. i mean i i'm joking around about them i said okay we're going to do these four um these three demos and these three demos i said you could pretty much build any website that you see Mm -hmm. on on the on the internet today and and i think that's a that becomes because you know, we're not pushing educate, and we've had print around for a thousand years, so we've better have mastered it at this point. Sure, but and I,
1: I also think that's the scary point of using the word modular because you immediately yeah. think of of a big hero image and three images beneath, or three content blocks <laughs> beneath. Um, so that that is the scary thing, and then you see that on websites, so and you think, well, I can do that. I can put text on top of an an, an image, and I'm done but you don't really question whether or not that's the best thing for that website.
0: Is there, what, oh, what made you stop? Okay. So to solve that, how would you stop? I mean, how do you stop and say, is this the correct thing to do? Like where in your process at heavy cog is like, does that come in?
1: Um, I would say just, just really thinking about the user. Like, is this what the user wants to see? Um, is this giving them the content that they want? I mean, if you have a huge hero image, you're you're losing a lot of, of text content in that area. Um, so it just depends on what the website is.
0: You know, and I, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think it also goes back to this like idea that it's like there's one or two classes. So those one or two classes are focused on m- teaching you how to make something instead of why are you making this in the first place? right where where you get and I think that you know that that if we sprinkled things through like you said I I would love I think every type beginning typography class should be half on the screen half in print just Mm -hmm. so you can because like you said the hierarchy is the same like the principles are the same it's just the execution is slightly different and I think you could you know pepper those um throughout most programs um So anyway, uh, so uh, another question I have for you is, I would assume like designing a scripted project for a professor in the classroom is radically different than working with a team at a digital agency. Um, Can you describe your working process now compared to what it is in school when you started a project? Maybe use the most recent thing that you've worked on at Happy Cog as an example.
1: Um, sure. So I think a lot of times the client doesn't really necessarily know what, what is best for them. Um, so you can come in with a brief, but the briefs change, unlike school. So you, in school, you get a brief and you spend a couple classes sketching. Your, your professor is theoretically your creative director and, and maybe partly your client, too. Um, and then a couple classes executing, and then you're, you're presenting your final final piece. Uh, definitely in the real world you have challenges all the time and there's always changes. Um, You do one thing and the client pushes back for whatever reason, if it's a business decision or even if it's on your own team and uh, it's just another designer's opinion. Um, I just think there's a lot more collaboration outside of school which is definitely a good thing. Uh, Also with the project timeline um, school you're working on a project for three weeks in a a ten week term and and here at Happy Call, at least some of our projects last over a year, so it's just a lot of more heads down time uh, working on something very, very specific within a project.
0: Um, how does the working in in well? I it's I, it's easy for you know educators and students to wrap his head around like okay, you're going to be working as a designer, you're going to be designing, but then you're going to be working um, with a developer who's then going to you know do the coding and, and further it, but you're also there's a group of designers mm-hmm. <laughs> designing. So what's, what's that experience like? I mean, cause I, I would assume that you, that I know I don't teach like, do, well, I've recently started, I lied, but generally we don't teach like students to design in teams. They're the solo designer. Um, and like you said, they're working for the art director, which would be us. So how is that different? You know, what skills are necessary to work as a team?
1: Um, I think just understanding and accepting feedback for sure um, is one. And just just really knowing what's best for the project. So maybe you disagree with someone, but uh, sometimes it's harder to say that if they've worked there for a longer time. Um, But it's really just about, you know, talking everything through, finding different options, um, questioning everything that you're doing. And making sure that everyone on your team uh, is really like living up to their expectations.
0: Okay, so kind of like leave the ego at the door, but also at the same time be willing to question something.
1: Exactly. Don't yeah. Miss that they're I, passive. Think, I think our team wouldn't be a good team if we didn't push each other and be like, "No, that looks bad," or that you know isn't working for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I mean this. um from my own personal experience, that's those are like the magical classes when you have like a group of students that are really good friends, but mm-hmm. are also super competitive with each other because they just even though they're working on their own project, they just push each other. Right. <laughs> like you like you just you you really can't. I wish there was a way to bottle that or recreate that as an educator, but. I really haven't found a way to do that yet.
1: Yeah, that's definitely how it was when I when I was in school. Um, we were always there to push, push each other. But really at the end of the day, though, you, you cared about your project the most. So, oh, yeah. Um, I think here it's obviously like you're doing well because it's it's a group project and, and you want everyone to do well because you want your company to do well. Um, so I think there's just that mentality difference. Oh, cool.
0: Um, I don't know if you did a lot of interviews yourself or – if the co-op was just kind of seamless coming into Happy Cog. But I'm going to assume that even if it w- was seamless, you've seen a lot of student portfolios either at Happy Cog or, or from your classmates. So with like kind of like the benefit of hindsight, what kind of projects would you, do you think would give students the best opportunity and the best portfolio to land an internship or a job at a digital agency?
1: Uh, I would say an internship, I would just show really strong design skills. Um, I think you know, most agencies are considerate that you, maybe you didn't have all the experience that you could have gotten by that point. Um, so maybe you miss out on a web class, um, so you don't have a ton of web work at that point. But I think by the time you're finished school and looking for a job, almost half of your portfolio should be digital work. Uh, if you didn't come from an inter- interactive design program, if you were just, just a graphic design program, um, but I think in general, too, that making sure that what you're showing just isn't design as decoration, that there is a lot of content, uh, that it's really strong, that it's really well put together. Um, I think a lot of people make the excuse um, in, in design programs that they didn't have web classes, so they or digital classes in general, so they, they don't have that in their portfolio, but Really, with all the resources online, um, <laughs> there's, like, no reason you can't spend some time on your own making things. Uh, like, college is your time to learn. So, if, if you're sleeping instead of learning, then you're doing something wrong, I think. And, and I think, too, with that, just doing side projects, like, any professor is willing to give you feedback on them, absolutely. So, it's just about learning on your own, too.
0: You know, that's... I'm and, and I I didn't go to school for web design. I taught myself mm-hmm. <laughs> a long time ago, um, and it's so easy nowadays to learn that stuff on your own. Like you said, Skillshare, Lynda.com, Treehouse. Um, there's about a thousand different places now where you could you could learn that stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you can answer this because I it's. I would assume that that you're probably proactive and you just did it. But why do you think some students don't? Is it a fear? Is it just a lack of, Oh, I do need to learn that. I mean,
1: Um, I think it's a fear in the sense that you look at a website and you're like, well, this is a lot of stuff to, to learn. Um, Even though it's not, when you break it down, it's really not that, not that many things. Um, So I would say that to begin with, I would also just say like closed mindedness, like, You think you're gonna go into a job in advertising and make posters or whatever it may be, and not really considering that there's other things out there.
0: Okay, yeah, and so I guess from like maybe like a print, you know, if you're a print design um, instructor that that's what you specialize in. I mean, you're you're obviously going to teach to your specialty. You you you're not going to teach outside of it, but maybe just. You know, if if they do you think it would be helpful if they were like even just like say, hey, maybe, you know, theoretically that, you know just say, hey, on your own time. I think like I look at posters and then I look at full page screenshots mm-hmm. and of websites and they look I could see like there there could be a potential parallel between there. So do you think maybe just like you know, professors that don't have the skill set to teach that, at least like said, hey, this is something you need to learn. Do you think, like, that kind of like you know, seeding that thought would be helpful? Do you think people would pay uh, attention to that?
1: I think maybe. Uh, I think a lot of professors, though, are also in the same mindset that they're scared. And I think web design is so fairly new um, compared to print, anyway. Oh, yeah. But, like, you really don't know the best way to teach it. And like, maybe you don't know the best advice to give to your students. Um, so I really think it's just kind of like this vicious vicious circle of yeah. of being fearful and not knowing what's the best way to learn or teach it.
0: Yeah, when I when you stop and you really think, I mean, web design's been around you know twenty plus years, but in its current use, its current context, media queries started in two thousand and ten.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's five years old. Right. You're you're, you're talking about a in its current context, I I see it as, you know, five years old. I mean, who does know what to do with it? Yeah. (laughs) We're still figuring it out. so I, I, I hope it soon we could actually be adding to the um, conversation instead of just kind of like, you know, walking behind it. Sure. Sure. and, And listening to it as educators anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, well, Courtney, I just noticed how we're a little bit over on time. So before I let you go, is there anything that you're excited that you're working on that you want to promote? Or maybe do you have like any final piece of advice for design educators that you would like to give that we didn't talk about?
1: Oh, uh, sure. So I would say maybe to both both educators and students right now okay. um, that, that web design can be a super scary thing to learn. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really just another medium of design um so maybe like you think you want to design posters or or brand identities or or something that is mainly in the print world but learning how to design design for the web is just going to make you a, a stronger designer overall and is really just going to help you uh in the long run so you'll learn something from print that you can bring to web and something from web that you can bring to print so it really all just runs together
0: yeah and just one like comment just i hear that like you know the people talk about students talk about like branding and like, mm-hmm. I want to focus on branding, but I don't. And when they say that they're thinking in terms of print, but the online branding is a huge, I would argue almost bigger component of a brand now. For
1: sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're, print. you're extending all these brands into huge websites. So every little piece of that website has to be a part of the brand, whether it's, you know, the color and type obviously, and, and their logo, of course on the page, but also the interactions too, like in, if something is is bouncing or, or fading in, what does that say about the brand and, and how does that communicate what that is?
0: And also, the, also context the context, too, because I mean, there's, there's Twitter, Twitter. there's mm-hmm. Facebook, there's all these different um, things that, ident- that the identity is going to go into. Sure, sure. That need to be taken into consideration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely definitely outside print, too.
0: Yeah. All right, well. Thank you so much. And so that's all we have time for today on episode 11 of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Courtney Sabo of Happy Cog, for being so generous with her time. I want to thank the audience for listening. And I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. Finally, I want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at Design EDU Today, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes Store. Thank you for listening to the Design EDU Today.